The future of 800,000 immigrants rests in the hands of a divided Congress. Lawmakers face deadlines to take action. So what's our job? Our job is to monitor the progress of potential DACA legislation as the deadlines come closer, while diving deeper into the issues of deferred deportation and illegal immigration. You're listening to an In Focus special report podcast, Deadline DACA. I'm Andrew Nicola. And I'm Adrian St. Clair. Welcome to the show. For the past few months, we've been counting down to what was supposed to be a December deadline to pass some sort of DACA legislation, whether it be the DREAM Act or something else. Back in September, some Democrats tied the DACA legislation to a vote that would either keep the government funded or shut it down. Here's Arizona Democrat Representative Raul Grijalva after a DACA press conference in September. The idea of a passage of a clean DREAM Act, if that, that doesn't start to move and become part of the criteria, Come December, when the debt ceiling is up again, when the budget's up again, uh, then the commitment that uh, we're making to these young people here today and the 800,000 and possibly 2 million aging in to uh, qualifying for the DREAM Act, then uh, the consequences are, are that uh, that budget without democratic support doesn't pass, the debt ceiling it doesn't get risen, and uh, then we have another another drama on our hands. The current budget was set to end last Friday at midnight, and for months, some Democrats have been threatening to withhold their votes unless there was some sort of action taken to protect DACA recipients. This was Illinois Representative Luis Gutierrez from that same September event with Grijalva. We have a Democratic caucus where I know the vast majority of members of the Democratic caucus are ready to say, if there is no pathway forward, not only for the 800,000 and for visas for all of you, but also for the rest of immigrant youth with a DREAM Act, then there is no government for anyone. We will shut it down or let the Republicans keep it open with their own votes. And in the end, that's what Republicans did. Democrats couldn't summon enough votes from their party and get enough Republicans to cross the aisle to block a continuing resolution Thursday. So the deadline we've been looking toward has come and gone. I spoke with Grijalva Thursday just before the vote on the CR. And he had changed his tune just a bit from the fiery speeches he was giving back in September. Like I said all along, this is not a question of us trying to shut down the government. The question has always been, they have 240 members, the Republicans. If they have, an, they have enough to pass, do and undo anything they want. And then on some things they do. So if they have enough votes to pass it, then it's your budget, pass it. But if they need any of us, then my position and many of the members' position is... Uh, put some things in there that reflect our values. But Grijalva said the continuing resolution doesn't stop the fight. It just gives advocates more time to fight to figure out a solution for DACA, as the new CR expires on December 22nd. In other words, it restarts the clock. We come back on the 22nd and go through this process again because it's a two-week extension. The fight for DACA is across party lines and in both chambers. Arizona Senator Jeff Flake spoke about DACA on the Senate floor on December 5th. The time has come for us to work together to deliver a real solution. We don't need partisan bills that send a message. We need bipartisan solutions that can pass the Senate. He noted the lack of progress so far in Congress on this issue. And despite the sense of urgency to solve the problem by the end of the year, there's very little legislative progress to show for it. To which House Speaker Paul Ryan said there's still plenty of time to make that progress, chiding Democratic leaders for walking away from budget negotiations. Do we have to have a DACA solution? Yes, we do. Uh, the deadline's March, as far as I, I understand it. 
Um, we've got other deadlines in front of that, like fiscal year deadlines and appropriation deadlines. But if they want to get to a solution, they ought to come to the table and start talking. Advocates say there's no more time for some immigrants. Janet Merguia, president of the immigration advocacy group Unidos U.S., said that the time is now. And really, for some DACA recipients, legislative action is past due because some have already begun to lose their status. What we know is that real lives are at stake already, and about 22,000 DACA recipients were unable to renew in time and are losing their protection before March 6th. And so that means about 122 per day are, are losing that protection. And to date, about 10,000 Dreamers have already lost their status. Marguaya gave a press conference with DACA recipients in front of the Capitol Monday to fight again for a DACA solution before the March 5th deadline set by the Trump administration. The point we're trying to make is that already it's expiring and we're seeing young people at risk. And so for us, uh, March 5th, yes, it's an important deadline, but that deadline has already kicked in for thousands of people. Marguaya says the urgency is even greater now that the first target deadline has passed and advocates still hope to get a deal soon. Obviously, we're very focused on trying to get to yes. We feel that it's incredibly important to try to get Congress to act before the holiday recess and to give clarity to these young people and really to law enforcement and everybody else. What they're seeing is what we're seeing. We've talked to a lot of DACA recipients for the podcast, what Marguaya calls the human faces behind the policy battles. And we've talked to people from all over, but we actually haven't talked to a Canadian DACA recipient until this last week. Lizzie Adala moved here from Canada when she was six years old. She grew up in Texas and graduated high school there. Her family tried to apply for permanent residence several times, but were never approved because of various hiccups, like the time their lawyer filed their paperwork late. Lizia found out about her status during her junior year at Northwestern University in Chicago. I got a letter in the mail from the Department of Homeland Security, and it was a notice to appear in immigration court, which is basically the first step in the deportation process. I had no idea that I was undocumented until I got that letter in the mail. Um, I had heard sound bites about the undocumented immigrant experience, and I just really struggled to reconcile what I was hearing in the news with the actual life that I was living. She was really worried, but then she got lucky. On my college graduation day, President Obama announced the DACA program. DACA, short for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, was a temporary solution for Lizia and all the other approximately 800,000 recipients like her. Even though we come from different places, uh, the thing that we all have in common is that we're all American and we just want a chance to be able to stay here permanently without disruption. This is our home and we feel like we're American in every single way except on paper. Many legislators on both sides of the aisle agree with Lizia. Here's Flake again. These kids are not just Americans in their own eyes. They are Americans in the eyes of their friends, their classmates, their teachers, and their co-workers. We all recognize these kids, that they were brought here, as I mentioned, through no fault of their own. No one wants to see them deported. Blake, who's often an advocate for compromise, also emphasized the logistical need for bipartisan cooperation. We've spent so much time operating under reconciliation that it's worth reminding people that this measure will need 60 votes in order to succeed. So much of the legislation we've been considering has been uh, under reconciliation with just a 51 vote margin being sufficient. That will not be the case 
with a fix for DACA. We need to get 60 votes. That means if we hope to protect DACA recipients, both sides will need to compromise. So they need 60 votes, which means the Republicans need Democrats, and Democrats need Republicans. Which makes both Merguia and Lesia nervous. We don't see any politics in this. What we look at are the human faces whose lives are at stake and uh, who are feeling the pain of separation and will be vulnerable to that real separation uh, if we don't get a solution. Lesia offered a more practical reason for Congress to act now, right? Right. Lesia brought up an issue that I've not really thought about or heard of until now. Folks are supposed to renew their DACA applications um, roughly four to six months before their DACA expires. So if your DACA expires in March, your application is overdue um, because it takes time to process that. Lizia makes a good point, but this was sort of addressed in the original plan. As part of the Trump administration's plan to wind down the DACA program, people whose coverage expired before March 5th had to file a renewal application by October 5th, allowing five months for the government to process that renewal. After October 5th, no more applications would be accepted and tens of thousands missed that deadline. And some people weren't able to sign in because of glitches. That was Merguia again, but Lizia explained the process for renewing DACA to me, and it's months long and elaborate even without glitches. So the process is this. You would submit your application to the government. The government would send you a date to go get your biometrics taken, so you would have to go get your fingerprints taken. That background check is submitted to the FBI, and then at that point, um, you would wait a couple of months and then get an approval or a rejection notice from the Department of Homeland Security. So the goal is that Congress finds a permanent solution, but what's the plan for them if it doesn't? I asked Merguia that question, and she didn't answer at first because she said they're still continuing to work hard toward a solution. It's really hard to look at another scenario because this effort to get everybody to yes and to pass something is all-consuming, but we're going to uh, work towards that, and uh, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they just turn their backs on, on these, um, you know, these courageous young people uh, and leave them hanging in the lurch. I mean, it's just hard to imagine that right now. But when it came down to it, she said they do have a backup plan if Congress doesn't end up with a solution to DACA. The backup plan will be in November of 2018 and November of 2020. Uh, there'll be a lot of civic engagement. There'll be a lot of voter education. And uh, the only backup plan that will really work will be uh, efforts uh, on our community to hold members accountable. We have ongoing work that we're doing uh, uh, to make sure that our community is registered to vote, that they are educated voters and that they are mobilized to vote on election day. But until the vote happens, they're going to continue to fight, she said. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And the vote may not happen when we had hoped, but they'll continue to push for a vote before the holidays. And that's what Lizia and other Dreamers hope for as they continue to make their case. So what the Dream Act would do is it gives us a chance to at least be considered for permanent protections, um, and I think that's what this movement is about. It's about giving us a shot at the American dream. Um, I've been in this country for 21 years. I feel like I'm deserving of, of certainty that goes beyond May of 2018. I think Congress should move quickly to pass a DREAM Act before they head home for the holidays, because I don't want this to be my last holiday season in the U.S. at home. 
It's a nice wish for the holidays, but whether that wish will come true, we like the way Teresa Cardinal Brown put it in one of our earlier podcasts. When it comes to Congress, failure is always an option. Thanks for sticking with us for these past six episodes. It's been an adventure reporting on this issue from D.C. Our show's over and the clock has run out on this first round. But in fact, a new clock just started over with a whole new deadline for Congress to meet. We turn to Brown again for her Washington insight. We have a a deadline and Congress works well with deadlines. That tends to push it to act. But when it has deadlines, it probably can't do anything too big. So in the meantime, we'll keep watching as the clock is ticking again on Deadline DACA. The music in this episode is by Roddy Nickpour. Special thanks to Cronkite News and Arizona PBS. And a very special thanks to our editor, Steve Crane, who's worked with us on this podcast from the very beginning. 